Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Once upon a time, these four simple words were often used as an intro or an attention getter for what was known then as fairy tales. A fairy tale was a story which had a moral principle that could be applied to life. It was something that we learn from. But fairy tales were still just stories. And despite their moral truth, they were just stories designed to hold a child's attention for a short period of time or to entertain. I don't know if they still tell them now, but whenever those words once upon a time was mentioned, the youth were here would get excited to listen. But then, like many of y'all today, as they got older, these fairy tales became irrelevant. And the value of that moral truth was lost. Unfortunate. Many of us look at that the same way. That the stories in the Bible are just fairy tales. What's the point? This country, the United States of America, was founded upon religious freedom. Our Declaration of Independence has at its heart a belief in God, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator certain rights. Our money says, in God we trust. In our courts, we swear, so help me God. Our marriage license declared that the union was ordained by God because if you look on the top of it, it'll say in holy matrimony. Yet the word of God, for many, is no more than fairy tales for the citizens of the United States of America. One reason that God's word is irrelevant or not relevant, it was written long ago. The Bible is far removed from our current culture. Therefore, many approach the Bible, which is the word of God, with a once upon a time mentality. But I want to warn you, Simply because the events of the Bible happen once upon a time does not make it irrelevant for our time. 
This point needs to be kept in mind as we cruise through the Texas today. Going back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out according to the English Standard Version, like a once upon a time when it said long ago. At many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. That was long ago. But these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, to whom he also created the world. The writer of the book of Hebrews informed his reader that once upon a time, God spoke to his people through the prophet. But he points out that does not imply that God no longer speaks. He still speaks today to his son. King James Version said, latter days. The last days, the latter days, appeared from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven until the time that he's going to return. Once upon a time, that was the word of God that created everything that was created. God moved by his spirit and spoke through the word, creation into existence. I, I want you to look at verse 1 with me. You're going to find that verb was four times. Now this Verb in the Greek original text is what they call an imperfect tense. Now, the imperfect tense imply, implies or conveys the, the conception of a continual existence of a past event. I want to make this clear so you don't miss it. A continual existence of past event which transcends beyond time. It implies a spoken expression which is still heard today. Can I give you some examples? Most of you know that my mother passed last year. But there are some things that my mama said that ain't going to never pass away in my mind. Her mother, my grandmother, will often say things, and she died in 1980. David, you better get your life right. I ain't forgot that. Even though it was spoken long ago. Can I, can, 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 can I share something personal? Hope you don't mind, Robert. Robert was telling me once about Mama Mac, his mama, who told him, I think he said he was 16 years old, boy, if you don't straighten up, you ain't going to live to be 16. And I guarantee you, every birthday, that word comes right back to me. There are just certain things that somebody said to us that still going on today. That's an imperfect tense in the Greek language. John helped us to understand how God speaks to us in these last days. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then in verse 14, he says, and the Word 
became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, this spoken expression took on human form and made his home among humanity. The name that he chose tells of his purpose. Yahshua, or Jesus to us, it means Jehovah save or God our Savior. He emptied himself into human flesh and masked himself into humanity. Christ masked himself. That's where we get Christmas from. Now, Jesus earned humanity through the race of the Jews or the Hebrews because of his promise to Abraham and to David. Going back to our text in Hebrews, many of these Jews had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached by the apostles. And they responded in one or three ways. Number one, some who heard the message believed on the Lord Jesus and were baptized and they were genuinely converted. Number two, some professed to become Christians and were baptized. However, they never was born again by the Holy Spirit. Let, 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 let me just kind of see if I can bring some of you Bible readings up to date. Do you remember Nicodemus? In chapter 3 of Gospel of John, Nicodemus came. You remember he came by night? Nicodemus said these words, Master, we know that you have God. Because nobody can do these miracles except God will be with them. You have a lot of people say, I know Jesus. That ain't the question. Have you been born again? Because even though Nicodemus said he knew God, Jesus told him, yeah, I know, but you must be born again. What, what, what do we know about Nicodemus? We know that Nicodemus was ashamed to profess Jesus as their Messiah. That's why he came by night. And the problem in the church is we've got too many nighttime Christians. He was afraid to profess or confess Jesus openly. So he was in this second group. The third group, some just flatly rejected the message of salvation. The letter of the Hebrews is addressing this first group, those individuals who were truly born again. But the book deals with the tremendous struggles incurred when a Jew became a follower of Christ. You see, when a Jew converted to Christianity, he was looked upon as a traitor. 
And he was often subject to one or more of the followings. Number one, disinherited by his family. Completely just guessed that. Number two, excommunicated from place of worship. Couldn't go to the synagogue, couldn't go to the church. Number three, loss of employment. Wasn't nobody going to hire him. Number four, loss of land and all possession. The government was confiscated his land. Number five, mental harassment. Number six, actually physical torture. Number seven, public mockery. Number eight, imprisonment. And number nine, even death. Simply because you left Judaism for Christianity. The only way to escape this horror was to renounce Christ and return to your former worship system. Then you will be spared from future persecution. But the writer warns his, his Jewish audience against what he called a drifting away. Can y'all say drifting away? I want you to get this because that may be where a lot of y'all are right now. You see, drifting away is not a sudden change. It's slowly moving away from where you need to be and before you know it, you don't know where you are. We talked this morning in faith development, Mr. Owen, uh, and, and Deacon Al Taylor, about being on the water. Now, can I relate to you a, a real situation about drifting away? For those that don't know, I'm an avid fisherman, I, and I, I, I really believe I'm a techie too, so everything I have on my boat is usually up to date. I don't do as much night fishing now because my wife won't let me go out there by myself or with somebody else. But I recall a time that me and my fishing partner was out fishing and there's a special place we fish at that has a, a drop off. And the fish hover right there so I, I know I'm going to catch some fish. And I got these automatic anchors. So we get to our spot and I hit the little automatic anchor button and they go down and they kind of get in the mud and they stick. And we were catching fish and all of a sudden I realized we weren't catching fish. And it was in the middle of the night. I looked on my little radar, I got a little radar, I started to see where it is and found out that we had drifted off the point. And I'm out in 80 feet of water. My anchors only go down 40 feet. I'm in 80 feet of water. And the thing about it, I don't know where I'm at. I have no idea where. I had to wait to daylight to find out where I was in order to get back to the dock. Now, since then, I got a little radar to tell them how to get back. But the point is, I was not where I was supposed to be. I was lost because my anchor had slipped. So y'all better make sure y'all anchor is deep enough to get to somewhere I need to go. That's drifting away. You start out with something small, the next thing you know, you don't went much more farther. And God delivers me from pornography. I remember starting out looking at Sears magazines in the women's section with the underwear. And from there, I progressed to Playboy. From that, the hustler. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Next thing I know, I'm trying to buy movies and stuff. I didn't start out that way, but I drifted away. Moving slowly. The author was concerned because it was not just a matter of drifting away from one system of religion to another of equal value. Rather, it was a matter of leaving reality for rituals. It was a matter of leaving substance for shallows. It was a matter of leaving the temporary for the permanent. It was a matter of leaving the Savior for symbols. Y'all hold that thought now. The message of Hebrew is timely today as it was for the first century church. We need to constantly be aware and be warned against reverting back to ceremony religious based on things we do for Christ rather than a relationship, Jeff, with Christ. You see, religion has to do with how we worship. Relation has to do with who we worship. The Hebrews in our text have placed so much emphasis on how they worship, they forgot the reality of who they worship. Can I warn you now? When we focus too much on how we worship, things like music styles, instruments, certain religious phraseology, emotional prayers, a particular preacher or a style of preacher, we begin to drift away. You don't even want to come to church depending on which choir singing. You don't want to come to church depending on what preacher preach. You drifting away. You got turned off by some deacon's prayer. You drifting away. Because your focus. You know what I, 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 I'm amazed by? I hear a lot of people criticizing about the deacon praying. Not that we do it here, but they say I can tell everything he's going to say. When we used to have an old-fashioned prayer service, we used to always have a space for anybody to want to pray. People were out there criticizing the deacon, but they wouldn't come up and pray themselves. They were drifting away. Those genuine true believers that the author Hebrews are writing to in our text were so fearful of persecution, they were tempted to abandon the Savior for symbols. And I wrote something down, I hope people can understand, they were so fearful they were going to abandon the singer for the song. So the writer encouraged them not to drift away from the living word for dead traditions. Even in difficult times, the word is still relevant. So how are we going to apply this to our life today, Pastor? 
Today, Jesus is still speaking through his written word. But for many in our society, to live by the mandate of the word of God seems like a fairy tale. We would rather read books written by worldly authors for how-to instructions. We would rather listen to TV talk show hosts for advice in life rather than a Bible teacher. We prefer to gain insight from the nightly news, from social media, or even our local barbershop for our future rather than listen to our pastor. Can I conclude the matter? Even though the Bible is not a fairy tale, there are some valuable lessons we can learn from some of the fairy tales that often start out once upon a time. How do y'all, how many of y'all remember Goldilocks? We can learn. Make sure you don't get too comfortable in someone else's bed. You might fall asleep and wake up and see something you don't want to see. We can learn from the three little pigs. Make sure you build your house on a solid foundation and be able to withstand the winds of the devil. We can learn from the boy that cried wolf too often that your rumors and your lies will have a devastating effect on you and the others and your family. But I don't want to end with no fairy tales. I want to end with a real tale. Once upon a time, there was a man named Adam who had a wife named Eve. God had provided one of the place for them to live. But then came the big bad snake and all hell broke loose. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Dave. He thought he had it all together, but he was messed up, confused, and lost in a world of sin. But then came Jesus, rescued Dave. And not only did he live happily ever after, he lived with life ever after. What's your story? Oh, everybody got one. Does it end with you living happily ever after? Or will all hell break loose? Another one of my hobbies is golf. And they have a well-renowned golf teacher named Martin Hall. Martin Hall goes off of his teaching show with these words. If you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you get. All right. Let's stand. Some of y'all lies are fairy tale. You've been doing the same thing over and over again, praying that things are going to change. Before things change, you've got to change. 
And one thing you got to change, you got to change your mind. There have been thousands of invitations called since I've been pastor here. But today, none is important as one today for you. I'm challenging you. You've been living in a fairy tale. Don't expect at the end they live happily ever after. It's possible that all hell is going to break loose and open the door for you. The hell you're going through today ain't nothing compared to the reality of hell that you will spend eternity with. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I ain't asking you to join this church. We'd love to have you if you want to come. But I'm asking you to commit your life to Jesus. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.